everyone. It is indeed time to head north. This is our podcast for the North Group. I'm the VP of Communications, former news anchor, now podcast host for this particular episode. I have my friend Kelly from the Diamond Arrow Group. Kelly Sears with me. And you have had such success since we first met. And I could not be prouder to call you a friend and to know you. Her book right behind her. You want to hold that up? Sharp Women. Well, it's uh, like a mirage. It's actually a little bit further behind me. So. <laughs> You're like, I can't actually reach that, Natasha. <laughs> she can point to it. Okay. So first of all, Kelly, for those of you uh, who don't know her, have not heard of her, I want you to give a little bit of your background and then tell us about the book and your mission. Sure. So I started the Diamond Arrow Group officially about six years ago after I had taken a women's self-defense class that like most of the self-defense classes out there, especially geared towards women, focus on the physical skills. And at the end of the four hours, which was fun, I enjoyed it. I did learn a lot. The instructor said, but ladies, let's be real. The last thing you want to do is get into a physical altercation. You need to be more situationally aware. And then my brain did the full stop. Well, what does that mean? And even now in my presentations, when I'm talking with organizations, corporations, law enforcement, so often we tell others, be aware of your surroundings, just be aware. And then anyone outside of the tactical world, law enforcement, military, they're like, yes, I agree. What am I looking for? How do I know if I'm looking for the right things? What do I do if I see something? And so often things that we do as individuals become second nature. If you come from that tactical background or are a very aware person, because maybe your mom was that way or your dad was that way, so they could talk to you and teach you over time, it's really hard to pull out what you do at a sub subconscious level and teach it to another person's conscious level. It's kind of the life hack, or I was today years old when I learned this. And so I differentiate my training from what I've seen out there is I don't just say, be aware of your surroundings. I say, here's how to use all of your senses to observe your surroundings, not just your sight, not just your hearing, sometimes your sense of smell, sometimes your, your physical touch, like your sense of touch can tell you about what's going on in the environment. And then I break down using scenarios that are relatable and make sense to the everyday person. And it has grown organically over time because suddenly people realized, oh yeah, we didn't, we just gave them a directive, be more aware of your surroundings, but we didn't tell them how. And so that's really grown and more people are tapping into that and understanding it. Company security teams, corporate security teams are coming in saying, yeah, we do active threat training. We talk to them about threats while they're traveling, while they're even coming to and from their home to the office, but it's not sinking in or it's not, they're not quite grasping what we're trying to tell them. Mm -hmm. And so I say, yeah, because you've got a lot of experience. So some of the little nuances you forget to mention or break down because you assume everyone has that level of knowledge. It's a college professor trying to teach calculus to a kindergartner. 
The kindergartner is not dumb, but they need to learn basic math first. So I come in as that, hey, I'm going to get into the nitty gritty and talk about it in ways that I relate these tactical terms to everyday life. So instead of saying, just think about the OODA loop, I'm like, hey, have you driven a car? Here's how you use the OODA loop method while you're driving a car, which most adults can relate to. They've driven a car. And with the book, I wrote that during the pandemic because I couldn't get out and teach. And writing the book <clears throat> was one way that I could get the information out at mass levels to anyone who wanted it at a very palatable price point and do that while I was stuck at home. And so that the book published last February, so 2022. And since then, it's really been a phenomenal marketing tool because, you know, women can relate to it. Each chapter is broken into basic scenarios that women face. Am I being followed? You know, persistence isn't always romantic. It's talking. Uh, what's my obligation to a stranger? No, it's not being direct is not being rude. You can enforce boundaries. You can make your personal safety a priority. And the, the fun or the really great side effect that I wasn't planning for, you know, maybe I was hoping that this would happen, but men or, or women who are experts in threat assessment, in corporate security, in law enforcement are reading these books and saying, oh, I never thought of it this way, or you broke it down in a way that makes sense to, to so many people. You know, the yeah. biggest compliments I can get are from, you know, I, I think of men who have decades of experience in law enforcement or law enforcement type careers who have daughters and they read the book because of course they have to read it first before they, they pass it off as something that's you know, good, you know, they have yeah. to give their blessing, their recommendation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they read it and they're like, I have done this for decades. And there's things in here that I didn't think about because I've never walked a day in the shoes of a woman. I don't yeah. know what it's like. I didn't understand that perspective, which makes complete sense. And I'm not here to bash anyone, you know, that has years of experience or say they don't know it's, hey, I'm coming alongside you as a female with this perspective, and I can understand and relate to the tactical knowledge, the tactical acronyms, the mindset of individuals who run towards the danger versus getting to safety. And so I can take that information and then make it relatable so that individuals can start practicing and building their skills because what we hear over and over again, especially after, you know, every shooting, unfortunately, yeah. what yeah. were the early warning signs? Right. Who, who didn't report whose fault didn't, why didn't somebody say something? And a right. lot of times, and I'm not saying this for every, you know, every instance is, is unique and different, but if we're not giving the tools to, right. That the families, to the moms, to the dads, to the brothers, to the sisters, to the friends on what to look for, 
how yeah. to recognize and where to articulate and report that information. Because that's another thing too, is you and I, or anyone might say, gosh, that behavior is off. Something is off. But if we go and make a report, let's say to a principal or to a counselor and saying, well, so-and-so is being really creepy. Well, what's creepy? You know, you have to be able to articulate actionable facts, subjective facts in order for individuals who have the knowledge, who have that threat assessment background, who can get resources and help to that individual in crisis. Otherwise they're like, maybe he was just having an off day. Right. So being able to articulate that information is so important. And as an industry and in trying to do and work violence prevention, we need those, you know, first layer circle around individuals in crisis to report the behaviors to us because most law enforcement, most security professionals are reactive. They don't know that there's a problem until typically it's a much bigger problem. I love so much about this because the North group, we've had this conversation so many times with so many people, right? It's all, it all comes back to situational awareness. Everyone needs to understand what a red flag is essentially right in behavior. And again, there's the intervention component, right? Who do I report it to? When do I report it to? I just, I take these, uh, these school shootings as a chance to have conversations with my daughters. And I, you know, I'm like, you know, that if you ever see anything that sets off that yucky feeling inside, cause they're younger, you know, right. and we have, we have a code word in my family. If we say the code word, someone has seen someone that gives them the creepy feeling. If I say it, it means come to me now. Yeah. And so we have a code word. Both kids know it very well. Both have used it. Um, you know, we know what vehicles typically not to walk next to because it's easy to grab and throw in. You know what I mean? Like we know all of that already. And they're, they're about to, my youngest is about to be six. My oldest is 10. But when we go into a parking lot, my 10 year old is now situationally aware enough to look around and see if something is an alarm bell. Right. Mm -hmm. But with this latest shooting, we talked about reporting creepy behavior. And I said, you know, if, if someone is like in a car beside the fence talking to kids and they shouldn't be, that is something you don't sit on. That is something you immediately go and report to the principal, not necessarily mm -hmm. even the recess monitor. Yes. But follow up with also the principal, because I understand resources are limited and right. sometimes things aren't followed up on. It's a like, Oh, he drove away, whatever, you know? So I'm like, make sure you tell multiple, not just one person too, so that you've reported it to the right person just to, you know, make sure that it adequately gets addressed. But right. I don't think that's a typical conversation, right? In most homes. And that, that to your point, that is what the mission is to make everyone sharper, right? So, yep. you know, sharpen your mind, sharpen your skill sets, sharpen your situational awareness. I love that this is what you're doing today. I really want to focus in on women because you're right at the end of the day, no offense to men, but typically they don't have love to you guys. We do. 
Yeah, but you know, I don't know that any like most men can't understand the feeling of walking down an alley afraid you're going to get raped if it's dark or there's no one around. Like that's a that is a real fear women have because that is something that happens to us specifically, you know. And and like these are things we have to think about. Mm -hmm. Can I walk? Can I go running down that path in broad daylight? I don't know. Are there other people around? Can someone hear me scream? Am I close enough to get it? Is there a path out if I need to exit? You know, like these are things we, yeah, we have to think about all of this. They don't typically, right? Right. So I, I love to hear that, you know, it is valuable to give that outside perspective, especially in this industry without that tactical background, because it does open eyes to a whole different mindset and view of the world and danger. Right. And you brought up a couple of good points there in regards to, hey, we're having this conversation similar to you, me being married to law enforcement. Yeah, we have different conversations. Our kids overhear things. Obviously, my husband and I maybe speak in code or yeah. we speak after the kids are in bed, but there's still things that get said that they're like, what? What happened? What are you talking yeah. about? And so yeah. we can say, hey, what would you do if? And that's a big thing I hear from parents is they don't know how to talk to their kids. They're worried about scaring them. They don't want to make them paranoid. They don't want to end their innocence before necessary. I, that I think is the biggest struggle as parents are saying, I want my kids to just be kids and not worry about going to school and being safe. And I, I totally get that. And so it's like, have the conversation with your kids. And it doesn't have to be straight to what would you do if, you know, you saw someone walking into school with a firearm? Like, that's a really intense question for kids, yeah. no matter what age they are. Yeah. Instead, it's, you know, hey, how do you recognize when someone's having a good day or a bad day? Or to your point, teaching our kids to, to scan their environment. Hey, you know what? Look, um, a Jason from The Safest Family, I love this. He had his kids. They would say, hey, describe the two vehicles next to us when we park. And so it got them used to looking at the vehicles next to them. You know, was anyone sitting in there? That's hey, look, look I'm, around. I'm totally feeling that. I'm doing that. Yeah, it's, it's really about helping build their awareness skills in a way that's playful, in a way, which is how we all learn best through play, and in yeah. a way that's not scary. A lot of times we as adults have just that different emotional intelligence level. We know when we say, huh, what's the difference between men and women and our adult brains go, uh, that's a really big question. And I share in my book, the story of uh, my oldest, I forget how old he was, but he blurted out. He's like, Hey mom, I know the difference between men and women. And I was like, already we're having this conversation. And I was like, well, what is it buddy? And he was like, men don't have hair and women have hair, you know, and that's because his dad's bald. So to him, that was the difference between men and women. And I laughed and I said, you're right, buddy. Sometimes that is the case. And I dropped it because it really didn't need to go any further. It didn't matter. So if your kid asks you something, turn it around on them. Well, what do you think that means? Because that's going to tell you where their brain's at what they might be able to handle and where they might have questions. And again, having those conversations now when they're asking you questions is so important 
Because if you just shut down and say, well, I don't know, you know, you got to talk to somebody else. They may, they might feel like, oh my gosh, that was a bad question. Mom yeah. and dad want to answer it. Well, I don't want to ask someone else. If my parents are scared to answer, then I'm scared to ask someone else for an answer because they might think I'm dumb that I don't know. And that's where I talk with parents and I'm like, okay, you know, again, age appropriate, you know, your kids best. If you get curious with them, they're going to say things, um, you know, the whole, well, don't take candy from a stranger. And my kids were both, yeah, you don't take any candy. If someone pulls up at the end of our driveway and tries to summon us over to their vehicle with yeah. candy, we're going to say no. Yeah. And I was like, well, what about if they have puppies? Yeah. And my youngest was like, Ooh, that's tough. Cause he loves yep. dogs. Yep. And so, but so it was funny. We laughed and we're like, it doesn't matter what a stranger offers. No adult should ever ask a child for help. Yep. If that happens, come, come get mom or dad, go get another adult and let them know that an adult needs help. So to your point about, you know, uh, a car pulling up alongside the fence at the school. Yeah. Go say something because it's, it's not up to the kid to decide what's safe, what's not. That's the adult's job. But yeah. the kid can say something and raise awareness because to your point, the, the recess monitor is looking at hundreds of kids trying right. to make sure they don't fall down and break their head right. open. Yeah. So while we might say, how could you miss that? Well, I'm sorry. This is why eyewitness testimony is not always accurate. Like we can be looking right at something and completely miss it because our brain ignores it. So, so. I mean, we could talk about kids and situational awareness until the cows come home, especially in light of the Nashville shooting that just happened. But I want to I want to go back to just some general like information. I always like to have takeaways. Right. So when you when you talk to women and you go in and offer this this training, like a woman that perhaps, you know, parks in a parking garage and gets done with her day. And in the winter, it's dark at six, six thirty, And she, you know, maybe there's not someone on staff to walk her to her car. I mean, what are some of like the bare basics? I do want to make this about personal safety. What are some of the bare basics you tell women to keep themselves safe on a daily basis? Well, I like your scenario of the parking garage, because I feel like that is a very common one that yeah. And transition areas are where we're most vulnerable. Yeah. For one, don't be on your phone. Don't be looking at your phone. Don't have your earbuds in. I when people say, well, should I call someone while I'm walking? I'm like, okay. Then what? Like, think it through. Like, it sounds like a really good idea. There's this false sense of, well, somebody's with me, but they're really yeah. not. And now you're putting that person on the other end of the line in a position. Do they hang up with you to call nine one one? Or do they stay on the line? Like, it's just really, it sounds like a good idea, but it's a false sense of security. So I always say, you can text them, hey, I'm leaving work, walking out the building. And then I'll text you when I get home. I know that seems like a long window, but I don't even like people sitting in their cars looking at their phone or texting. So if you have talk to text, great. Tell your phone, send a text. Hey, let's pause. Let's pause. Because yeah. most women, I think when they get in the car and they lock the door, they're like, okay, I'm safe. Yeah, that's a good point. So the, I, to me, where that really became an issue or really came to my attention, I should say, is the increase in carjackings during COVID. Like okay. armed and 
aggravated assaults, the carjacking went through the roof. There were so many incidents in, of it. And that's where it was really, don't, you know, be searching for your chapstick in your car. Don't make a phone call. Yeah. Don't be checking email. Like if you're tr go through the transition area, alert, walk from point A to point B, get to your vehicle. Yes. Lock the doors as soon as you're in it. Make that a habit. Lock the door as soon as you're in it. It's not rude. It's not paranoid. It's safe. I then, still do the light on look in the back seat too. <laughs> there you go. I mean, that's another thing. As you're walking up to your vehicle, if you're not on your phone, if you're not distracted, you do have more capacity, more mental capacity to look around and observe around you. Get in your car, lock the doors and go. Like we need to get past this instant i need to send a response right now i need to text right now i'm old enough to remember when we didn't have cell phones like yeah. you went out and nobody knew where you were until you came home yeah. period and yeah. we need i think we maybe it's you know wishful thinking but we need to get back to the the time where it wasn't like if my phone dings i need to immediately respond nope you don't you need to be safe you need to make your personal safety a priority and to your point, okay, when we're walking up to our vehicle, if you see someone in front of you, let's say they're loitering by the car next to you, or they're walking towards you and something gives you an off vibe, I always say, yeah, there might be ways that you could articulate body language or nonverbals or the way they were looking or not looking at you, you know, the interested, uninterested behaviors, comfortable, uncomfortable, you know, the shifty hands, watching the hands. Okay. But that's kind of the next level once you get to that point but for now if you see someone say hey how's it going and say a name pretend like you know them and then if they're like uh i'm not joe i'm bob you're like oh my gosh you look but you're calling attention you're saying a name you're using you're keeping the oxygen flowing you're not holding your breath you're not getting tense you're not getting stressed out you're helping call stay calm which is so important and if there's no ill intent, that isn't the whole, hey, get back. It's not aggressive. It's simply calling attention. And if somebody perhaps has ill intent, now they know that you see them. Now you've probably called attention. If there is anyone around, we've called attention. And you've got plenty of time to gauge how they're reacting because they're in front of you. If you think someone's following you, you can turn around and say, oh, can I help you with something? Again, there's no ill intent. They might say, um, walk into my car right there. And you're like, oh, great, just checking. If there was ill intent, again, now you've brought attention to it. You've let them know you know that they're behind you. And if they're a resource predator, if they're going to snatch your purse or worse, now they know, oh, she's prepared. I'm not going to catch her off guard. And so that's so important. And what I think often we miss gets missed in women's self-defense training is we go straight to kind of the zero to 60. No, get back. Okay. Yes. Use your voice. If someone's getting in your space and they're not, and you don't feel comfortable, feel free to yell that at anyone. You right. Want. Right. Right. But if I always say there's nothing wrong with testing, but in plenty of time, like don't wait until it's there. I share a story. I was doing a training on a campus and I was leaving in the winter. It was dark early. And as I was walking out to the parking lot, I saw a, you know, 
gentleman kind of bent over by the tire of his truck and it looked like he was changing his tire. And so while I was two rows to kind of give you a spatial visualization, two rows back, I said, Hey, do you need help changing that tire? You know, to which he laughed because obviously I'm in like high heels and a skirt, not necessarily going to be helping change a tire. I mean, it could, but you know, but he laughed and was like, no, I'm good. But that let him know, I see you. That confirmed to me that he wasn't pretending to change a tire with a tire iron in his hand, you know, and anyone else who was in the parking lot was like, oh, heard my voice, heard his voice. And so it's simple things like that, where I would say, you can still be kind and have your personal safety be a priority. In fact, most of the time when you're saying stuff out loud, people, that's what predators don't want. So by you being kind and like, Hey, can I help you with something? Yeah. Can I help you change that tire right away? They're like, okay, plan B. She's not the one I'm going to go after. She's not the one I'm going to target. When Cal, do you know, when do you run? Cause there are instances that's that you need to get out of a situation Mm -hmm. quickly that someone is unhinged. And I, you know, there are, right. Like there are situations like that. So how can you tell the difference? And when do you know how to just get the hell out of there? It's going to depend on each individual. It's going to depend on context, but I always say, if you're aware, if you're not distracted, if you're present, no matter where you are, you're going to pick up that person's being a little, uh, being an anomaly, being a little strange, being different than what I would normally expect in this environment. And then you can just, okay, I'm just going to pay attention. I'm going to observe them. I'm going to get curious about them. Okay. They... Oh, look, they have earbuds in and they don't realize they're singing out loud while they have earbuds in. Got it. Then they're, you know, have fun. They're harmless. They're not doing anything. Yeah. But all of a sudden, if you're like, well, wait, they don't have earbuds in and they're really fidgety. They're kind of nervous. And now they're getting up and they're pacing. Okay. That's escalating. I'm getting nervous. There's absolutely no reason for you to stick around and wait and see what happens. Yeah. If you can get to safety, get to safety. And you, you know, you may never know if anything bad would have happened, but you don't need to stick around and wait. Now, if you're in an area, let's say a subway or a tram or somewhere where you can't get to safety because you're in in a confined space with this individual, then it's important to just keep your eyes open, listening for things, looking around, staying present and start formulating a plan. Well, if this escalates further, what do I feel comfortable doing? What are my options? What tools do I have to defend myself? Are there individuals around me that could, we could work together? You know, are there people in this space that maybe have more physical strength? You know, cause if you start looking around, you might see other people watching the same person. And so if you make eye contact with them, you're all going to start having that. You see this? Yeah, I see this. Okay. You good? Okay. Well, if something goes, you know, you know, or we're looking at you, big, tall football looking dude, you know, you, you, you got him. (laughs) Yeah. And, and so it's things like that, but that's what I love about what I do is women can come to me after a session and they're like, okay, well, what would you do about this? (laughs) 
And what would you do about this? And I actually had a compliment. I don't know if you saw, I shared this. I did a presentation to a young professionals group last week and I had a woman come up and she's like, you're just so normal. And you talk about all these things. And I loved it. I took it as a compliment. I, you know, I'm not trying to make fun of her, but it was one of those things that I think we miss is that you don't have to look or act a certain way to take your personal safety seriously. You don't, you can, I always say you can be GI Jane and, you know, Betty Crocker, you know, you can be the suburban mom. You can be the nature lover and all of these things and still have absolutely strong boundaries and no apologies for making your safety a priority. Okay. No apologies. I love it. Quit saying I'm sorry for things that don't warrant an apology. I tell my girls that. I'm like, why'd you just apologize? You didn't do anything to apologize for. I um, feel like strangers. You know how you're just getting your coffee and you bump into somebody by accident. They're like, oh, sorry. And I'm like, you have nothing to apologize about. I'll like yes. stop men and women. I'm like, why yeah. are you apologizing? You, yeah. I was somewhere and they're like, I'm so sorry. I'm late because they were stuck in traffic. And I'm like, yeah, you caused all the road construction and traffic issues, didn't you? You know, it's like, no. Yeah. 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 We're, we're so apologize. conditioned. Um, Okay. I want to, I know I want to get to another component that I love when you talk about it and you mentioned it briefly early earlier about persistence is not romantic. Online dating is huge now for single women out there. It's not just about physically protecting yourself from strangers. It is also about protecting yourself from people that have made their way into your life. So let's talk about the difference in that. Sure. When does romantic become criminal? Well, right? the definition by most, you know, statutes by most states and, and um, laws is two or more contacts after they've been told, don't t- contact me anymore. That's not very many. That's two not very many. More. I think we probably all experienced that. Oh gosh. And, and to be honest, I really think, well, if you've, if anybody has ever done sales training, what is the the whole thing? Get seven no's to get to the eighth. Yes. So, I mean, even that we're way past technically stalking. So if you have a sales background, you're used to persistence. It's the intention that matters. And so in a dating scenario, it's, Hey, stay in app as long as possible for communication, because today cyber stalking and the, the access to anyone's information online is pretty easy if you know what you're doing, or if you're just have hours to spend online searching for someone and getting their information. So, and it's tough because how else do you meet people nowadays? Yeah, I get that. Um, how do you know if someone's behaviors are tipping to the stocking? Well, A, pay attention to when you said no and how they respond to that. Hey, can we go out Friday night? No, I can't. I've got a big work event the next day. Uh, you know, whatever. Again, you don't need to explain, but yet in that situation, it's natural to explain. You're trying to build a relationship with someone. You're trying to build a little 
rapport share their your life with them so you're more likely to expand on your reasoning that's not unusual okay well i can't well come on i promise i won't keep you up late you know again context matters what's your relationship but if you've said no i don't want to go out friday night and they continue to persist whether that's sending you texts or messages or whatever that's a red flag that's not respecting your time, your mental boundaries. You know, maybe you're yeah. exhausted. It's the end of the week. You got a big event. You just want to go to bed. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's depending on that. So really it's paying attention. You know, if they are insistent, no matter what you say on disrespecting, those are those controlling tactics. That's what is the beginning of the coercive control like that's that's how a lot of abusive relationships start because domestic the worst of the worst domestic abuse scenarios relationships don't start out with physical blows how much right. control do i have of this other person it's yeah. all about that control manipulation so when you're dating how does that person respect your boundaries and you know, and turn the tables. Like if you are really interested in, you know, and I'm speaking to women, if you're really interested in another person and they're not seeming as interested or they're not responding to your invites the way you want, you also yeah. have to let it go. Like boundaries work both ways. Yeah. So you don't want to be a stage five clinger. You don't right. want to come across as the creepy, you know, it's a lot and we talked about this in, in our podcast with Doug and I, but it's, it's almost a joke in society. If a woman is really persistent, I'm going to stock his social media pages. I'm going yeah. to see what I can find on social media. And we laugh because technically female stalkers aren't viewed as potentially dangerous. Like it's, it's laughable. Oh, whatever, you know, oh, she's stalking you. She's so into you. Like it's almost society is like, oh, well, you should feel honored that some woman yeah. is so obsessed with you. Yeah. yeah. No, guys, that's, that's not the case. That's still a red flag because female stalkers do have the propensity for the same amount of violence as a male stalker. But again, yeah. society kind of jokes about it. You know, I, uh, I have taken an example you gave me and I've run with it since you gave it to me like a year ago. And it, cause it's my favorite because I, you, I tell my kids like be direct, use your voice. And I'm fighting sometimes an uphill battle of like, yes, I want you to respect your teacher. And yes, I want you to be polite. But at the end of the day, I'm not raising you so that someone can dim your energy and light and you sit there and be pretty and polite. That's not the type of woman I want to raise, you know? And I think so many times people like your age, my age, we were raised to just be quiet, sit there, be polite, you know? And sometimes if we're direct, uh, she's a, she's a, you know what, she's unkind. Right. But I'll, you know, like I really have run with your example of you standing there and the guy coming up to you were in conversation with your girlfriend and he came out and came up to you and joked around about you two look so young, you should be selling Girl Scout cookies. Yep. And, and you didn't give the carte blanche like, oh, thanks. You said, we're in a conversation. Like, 
and and your friend, you know, I'll let you take it over. But your friend was like, Kelly, you know, like <laughs> it's funny because it's Girl Scouts ending season. So it does very much. I, yes. Yes. Oh, but buy me more Girl Scout cookies. Um, yeah, no, you explained it well. My girlfriend and I had walked out. We were doing the long goodbye, you know, goodbye, goodbye, yeah. goodbye. And then you're standing outside yeah. the entrance, still saying goodbye. Yeah. And an, an older gentleman walked up to us and said, are you selling any Girl Scout cookies? And I just said, nope. And he said it again. And I responded, nope. And then he was like, geez, lady, I'm just trying to, you know, have a conversation. And I was like, yep. Like I didn't give an inch. I didn't give, I wasn't rude. I was just direct. But, you know, to your point, my friend afterwards was like, oh my gosh, because as women, we get that messaging of, well, don't offend someone. Right. And don't be rude. Okay. He interrupted two girlfriends having a conversation. He was the one who was being rude. I just was not giving him any space because that's another thing that, you know, good. You bring up a good point in the fact of, the dating or response, a response, even if it's don't talk to me anymore, leave me alone is still a response. So if someone is messaging you some sort of electronic communication or calling you after you've said, please don't contact me anymore. Don't contact me anymore. If you pick up, if you answer, if you respond, that's a response. And think of it as now you're starting the clock over again. Like, I get it. It's tough because for me, again, I don't want to be rude, but I said I didn't want to talk to you anymore. So stop reaching out, stop attempting. And I've heard of careful of those good hooks. You know, uh, a girlfriend of mine, she's in the finance industry. Gentleman was trying really hard to get her to ask her out, you know, get her to go out on a date with him. And she said, nope. And then it was the whole don't, you don't have to respond. You do not owe him anything else. You have asked him to stop con- contacting you. And then what did he do? He sent an email to her work email and asked for, for some financial advice because of a situation, which put her in that, is he really looking for financial advice? Right. Or is he just trying to find another way, find a hook to get me to respond? She did end up responding. Sure enough, it was a hook. And so in that type of scenario, what I would recommend to anyone is saying, if you said, I don't want to have contact with you, refer them to someone else. Like you don't even have to respond. You can forward that email or let a coworker know, Hey, I have this person. They're looking for some financial advice. I, I just can't take it. My plate's full. You know, I don't have capacity right now. Can you, can you get back to them? You don't even have to explain the situation. You don't have to make a big deal about it. But that then, because if the person really did want financial advice, okay, they're going to get it, but they're not going to, they don't have to get it from you. That's, that's a really valid point. Cause there are lots of hooks. I've fallen for the hooks for sure. Over the Isn't that the worst feeling too, when you're like, yeah, okay, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. Okay. And then you're like, God, I felt bored. I know. I'm like, oh, he did ask me out. I thought it was none of that. Yes, I know. Well, and we've had discussions. You know, this is one thing as women in business and especially a male dominated business, sometimes it's really hard because you can catch a vibe of like, okay, it's a social networking hour. So I'm supposed to be meeting all these people and alcohol is involved. So everyone's feeling a little bit of liquid courage and it's, oh, they're kind of flirty and it's, or they're, you know, I'm sarcastic. You know, 
Yeah. So me being sarcastic doesn't necessarily mean I'm interested in you. Me being right. nice and having a conversation with you, it's because I'm at a business networking event. Yeah. It's not because I'm married, you know, right. but then it, what's tough is, okay, in our jobs, okay, well, we, we're looking for clients. We're looking to build relationships and that gets played with sometimes by people with ill intent because you want, you're like, wow, this could be a potential client, but gosh, darn it. Do they need to be so creepy? And people are, oh, well, don't, you know, oh, well then don't take them on as a client. Well, that's not the answer all the time. How, how, if I'm the sole person doing the sales, like I am in my business, I don't have someone I can turn it over to. So being able to enforce boundaries, being able to vocalize, uh, I'm not okay with that. No, no, thanks. I'm not interested in grabbing a couple drinks after the social. I've got work to do. Right. Right. Yeah. And then you have to repeat that. Like some, they're going to keep testing because especially if they're in a sales job, they're used to pushing. So don't be afraid to keep enforcing your boundary. And that's what it all comes down to, right? Like having boundaries, set your boundaries, keep your boundaries. Don't apologize for your boundaries. It's so much easier said than done. I 100% understand that. So the takeaways to highlight this wonderful episode, you and I could go on forever. We could. I I mean, we really should try and plan some in-person podcast recording at some one of these events. I would love that. Um, Okay. So ladies, be situationally aware when you are walking to your car, you're going somewhere. Do not be on your phone. Do not have it on speaker with your friend. I've done that too. It does give you a false sense of security so that you're not alone, but indeed you need to have all of your senses, all of them open, ready to use, look around, uh, let people know if you're nervous, you know, like, Hey, I'll text you when I get home. Like Kelly said, but it doesn't have to be immediate. Um, and then again, keep your boundaries. Don't fall for the hooks. Be okay with saying, nope, I'm not interested. And then sticking with it, you owe someone nothing most of the time, even though we feel that obligation. So uh, Kelly, where can a woman sharpen their skills? Where do they get that book? Tell them. Well, they can get it right off Amazon. Search for Sharp Women Book. It's the only one. That's the great thing. I was amazed nobody had that title. So if you search Sharp Women Book, it'll come up right away on Amazon. Uh, you can contact me if you have questions like, well, what about this, Kelly? Yeah. You know, yeah. I love those questions because I'm like, okay, let's play the what if game. That's part of building your mental strategy plan. Reach out to me. Go to the website. It's the Diamond Arrow Group com. Lots of ways you can connect with me there. You can follow the Diamond Arrow Group on Instagram or Facebook or connect with me on LinkedIn. There's so many ways to reach out to people. So I trust that people will figure out a way to connect. Well, I'll put me. it in. I'll put it in this blog too, of course. Like yeah. With yeah. a link to your book as well. But Kelly, thank you so much for your time as always. I'm sure I'll have you back on in a little while. <laughs> so good to see you, Tash. Thank you so much for, again, bringing me kind of like on the year anniversary. So this I know, really right? Cool. Thank you. I, I, I love it. Okay. And thanks to all of you for listening. Of course, you can catch more episodes just like this one on TNGDefense.com. Thank you. And until next time, have a wonderful day. Bye, everybody.